Walter Bell from the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio making his weekly Monday appearance on a Monday. His weekly Monday appearance, which has occurred in this case on a Monday, is the managing editor of Fangraphs.com, Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron is the guest. And on this edition of the program, as he does every week, Dave Cameron endeavors to analyze all baseball of particular note this week. Of particular note this week. Well, it's probably not incorrect to say that every episode of Fangraphs Audio represents some kind of experiment. And, of course, while some of those experiments are successful, or at least nearly successful, others are less successful. It's quite possible. Uh, not certain, not certain, but it's possible that the present episode of Fangraphs Audio belongs to the latter camp, owing to a confluence of circumstances, not the least of which is that I am due to become a father in roughly two weeks. I asked Dave Cameron how, if one were so inclined, and had no interest in cultivating the artistic or emotional or other sorts of sensibilities of a young person, how would one create the ideal Major League Baseball player as a parent? I asked Dave Cameron things about handedness and body type and diet and geography. Having a child in Maine, for example, would appear to be a detriment. And love. How should I withhold love? Would one withhold love from a child in order or give him extra love in order for him to become a Major League Baseball player? That is the question using whatever data might be available, and also a series of uh, wild speculations. Dave Cameron attempts to answer the questions. Is it a great success? Also considered in this edition of the program, the All-Star Game, the All-Star Game rosters, perhaps the ideal format for an All-Star Game. In any case, as I say, it's mostly, this episode is mostly built on the foundation of this experiment, this potentially failed experiment. I asked Dave Cameron, I said, what if it goes as bad what if this goes as poorly as I suspect it has? And, well, he explains what the punishment might be. You would probably need to move to Florida or California or Texas. Those regional jokes having been made, allow me to announce Allow me to announce a thing, which is that Fangraphs memberships exist for a reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com and listeners of Fangraphs Audio can support the great work that occurs at that site, not on the podcast as much, but at the site. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, those same readers and listeners can acquire an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden, without the awful burden, the tyranny of banner ads, allowing for faster loading speeds and an emancipation from the distortive effects, the liberation from the distortive effects of advertising. And with that advertisement having now been completed, let us now move on to the program. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. And when does it begin? Right now. The dog needed to come in, and I had to get to the door. It was not, it was not a good sign. All right, fine. Well, the story I told was... I heard. I had the headphones on. Okay, below yeah. average. Interest, yeah. So it's fine. So anyways, that's uh, the fact that I'm having a child. Uh, coupled with these two points. One, uh, Dane Perry, the awful Dane Perry, whom you know. Um, today, he shared some photos on social media platform, Twitter.com, or maybe Facebook. I don't know which one, of uh, his own human child... Playing baseball, it was some oh. uh, some stills of this child pitching in a game. He actually looks somewhat. Uh, he has a good a lot of gear. He's got good gear, like good uniform. Um, so that was another consideration. Someone's child playing baseball, and then the the third consideration is uh, concerns. There was inspired by a, 
uh, Travis Sotrick's post from the end of last week uh, in, in which he notes a point that I, didn't, uh, I did not formally know, which is that Joey Gallo was like best like childhood friends with Chris Bryant. Yeah, I think uh, they were both Vegas guys, right? Yeah, they were, and yeah. uh, Joey Gallo used to spend like uh, every weekend with the Bryant family in the, in the hitting cages. Yeah, in the batting I, cages. I bet they were working on uppercuts. Yeah, well, in fact, they, they were. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I don't know the elder Bryant, Mister Bryant. Um, yeah, he had a target at the top of the batting cage for which they yeah. would both aim. Yeah. But all of this uh, has forced me or has compelled me to ask a question, which is knowing, knowing what we can know, Dave Cameron. And obviously, you do not necessarily you, you are not employed in order to help develop young players. But if someone decided, someone like myself decided. I want I my main priority for my child uh, is not his happiness um, or his intellectual development, right? My main priority is for him to become is to have a major league baseball career. What what variables what, what would need to be in place for that to occur? Do you think? Uh, so you'd probably try to teach him to be left-handed at a very young age, or okay. throw, you, you'd want him to potentially be able to. Um, uh, bat or throw left-handed. He could potentially throw right-handed if he if you could teach him to hit left-handed. But you want him to be able to either hit or throw left-handed. That's that's an advantage. Uh, it will improve your odds somewhat. Now, now throwing left-handed mostly if if he's going to be a pitcher, right? Well, yeah, if right. If you're going to have him throw left-handed, then you're going to develop as a pitcher. Yeah. Right. Because if if you have him as a batter, then I. I think it would have to be a disadvantage to have to be a lefty thrower if you're playing the field. If you're a position player who, pl- who throws lefty, you're limited to first base or the outfield. Um, it's not like just not being able to play second, third, or short isn't the end of the world if you're a bigger kid anyway. Because like if you're mm-hmm. big, you're not going to play second or short, and like having third blocked off and having to play first to the outfield instead isn't a big deal. No. Um, but if you're going to have like a five-seven kid, yeah, you want him to throw right-handed so he can play shortstop. Okay, wait, wait. So before we continue, brief tangent. Um, how many how many people who so I guess guy like so left handed throwers who would otherwise be infielders like you know shortstop second maybe third right. base yeah. are are probably center fielders they're that, center fielders yeah they're center fielders yeah. who do you think like of all the lefty throwers in the game today like who do you think just based on their skills if they threw with their right instead of their left hand like who would clearly be a shortstop um hmm. Well, this this brings up the point is it's not always easy to remember right who throws lefty who throws lefty and who throws righty right I mean, now Billy I mean, Hamilton for example is a center fielder right he's a right-handed throwing center fielder right who was a shortstop prospect yes and Mookie yes. Betts probably could have played shortstop except he got moved to the outfield because of Dustin Pedroia so there's guys like that who have infielder profiles who are right. playing the outfield now for reasons besides the throwing arm mm-hmm. so who are the lefty throwing center fielders That's how about a question. Charlie Blackman. I don't know. He's tall. He's big. He's bigger. Yeah, he's not. He would not be a middle infielder. And he's also not necessarily. Um, he's not necessarily. Uh, he shouldn't necessarily be at in center field. Maybe like if he were with another right. organization, he's a, he might. He's not a corner outfielder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Byron Buxton throws with his right. His he's, right arm. He's six five. He's six five. He also yeah. would not be. Who else is fast? Bradley Zimmer is very fast. He's big, though, too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, right. These are not little people you're naming. Yeah, that's right. Oh, this is challenging. What does Kevin Kiermeyer throw with? Uh, I don't know. Probably an arm. 
He throws with his arm almost certainly. Yeah. I think yeah. he throws with his left, and I think Kevin Kiermaier is an example. No, he throws with his right. Yeah. And well, Kiermaier's also like not a crazy good athlete, right? He's like he's fast, but he's not the fastest. His defense comes from like um, exceptional routes. Well, I think what we've real, revealed more than anything is that uh, we don't know anyone who throws left-handed. No, throws left-handed. Yeah, I would have to go through the uh, various teams. Brett Gardner throws left-handed, I believe. Do you think uh, he could be okay. an infielder? Yeah, maybe. He's. I mean, at least early career, Brett Gardner. He's gotten bigger. Yeah, he does but, throw left-handed. Okay, I can guarantee that. He's also got a bunch of home runs this year, doesn't he? Yeah, he's he's, he's definitely one of those like little guys who decided a few years ago, like chicks dig the long ball. I'm going to change my game. Okay, so here's here's the basic point is. Uh, I've asked you a difficult question, but let's return to the original point then, which is uh, constructing or developing a uh, a major league baseball player out of one's spawn. So throwing, so throwing left-handed, if you sense he's going to be a pitcher, yeah, or then, or bigger. I mean, if he's going to be a, a large human being, right? Well, I, I mean, if you're going to play corner outfield anyway, it doesn't matter which arm you throw it. Right. Okay. And then, and then. Um, and then, but it, and then, I guess what batting left-handed? Batting left-handed is definitely an advantage, less than it used to be because of the shift, but still an advantage. Okay. And then, what about other things? Like, is it going to matter what size he is, or is it just something to which one adapts as the kid is growing up? Like, if you uh, notice he's going to be small, you're like, all right, you're going to take ground balls forever now. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you can, um, you know, when you go to your pediatric visits and they say your kid is in the X percentile, like if he gets below, like I don't know. 40th in height or something, you probably need to start thinking about middle infielders. Because, like, obviously baseball players in general are taller than the average population. Mm-hmm. So the 40th percentile just for normal adult males is going to be, you know, the 10th percentile or 20th percentile for major league baseball players or something. So wait, what, what is the correlation between, like, a two-year-old's height and weight to to his uh, eventual height and weight? Yeah, you can pretty well – I mean, it's not perfect. Like, it's mm-hmm. not um, – but you can basically – I think they say – Two or three, one of those years, you basically just double their height, and everyone's within like three or four inches of that. So no way. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah, I mean, it's like early early uh, growth is predictive of late growth. Okay. And I'm trying to think, what? So what is also you should of... know how tall you are and your wife is, and you know, like the other factors that go in. They're known variables. Uh, there's been some talk in recent years about essentially kids getting. I don't know if it's necessarily. Mental burnout or some sort of physical burnout, or at least, or uh, because of the you know the various showcases, and the possibility that perhaps they're just getting like worn down because right. uh, there's no time for resting, and also the other consideration that maybe uh, young people should be playing multiple sports, and it actually might help them, cre- um, you know, create different skills. Yeah, I think there's a decent amount of data out there that shows that playing baseball year round is terrible for your long term health. And wh- how does it? So what is the so what is the advantage of it then? Do you think it improves the chances in the short term of being you know being seen essentially? I mean, it probably so like anytime you you know do repetitious behavior, you're gonna most likely improve at the thing you're doing. So you're probably likely to get better and become a better baseball player if you focus on baseball year round. And so as opposed to playing football or soccer or some other thing, um, 
So you're more likely to stand out as like, oh, this is the best player on the team, and he's on a travel team, and he plays all summer, and they, you know, he plays indoors in the winter, and you, you know, um, so you're probably likely to improve your skills quicker, but also then uh, increasing your chance of injury at a young age at a, dramatically, um, especially if you're a pitcher. But e- even for position players, you're still throwing, you're still putting strain in your arm. Um, so while you might improve your skills as a 12 or 13 or 14 year old, you're Dramatically increasing your likelihood of blowing out your arm at seventeen or eighteen. No, wait. So, is, if, so is the point again is to is to develop a young ball player to develop a ball player into a major leaguer. It, would I be starting off? Wouldn't I be starting off already at a huge disadvantage just by living in Maine? Yes. Yeah. Cold weather states are uh, problematic. If you if you would probably need to move to Florida or California or Texas. Right. Because so or Georgia, just, are, I guess. Are there just fewer athletes like in the cold weather places, or are they playing other sports? Are they playing maybe more basketball or more hockey? hockey? Right. So like they're they're playing other sports. Also, they just have fewer opportunities to play baseball because of the weather, right? Like right. so, if you're in a cold, wet place, you you are limited in your repetitions. And I think this is like this is the famous story of why Mike Trout fell to 25th overall. Is like if Mike Trout had been a California kid and people had seen him more often and uh, you know had a chance to kind of watch him develop in the California circuit and he had you know been better known by you know more scouts, he, maybe he would have gone first overall or fifth overall or something. But he went 25th because he was a Jersey kid and not a lot of kids, not a lot of people had seen him multiple times. And so right. So typically, you would expect. A transcendent <laughs> talent yeah. to to be selected among the top few players, uh, but because of the fact that he was from the cold weather state, right, um, it was it was more difficult to do that. So so we've already violated at least one sort of major principle, <laughs> which is which, or at least it makes it it reduces the probability of it, I guess. Right. I mean, like you know, the fact that you live in Maine is probably not as um, Significant factor is the fact that you're 140 pounds. Uh-huh. So, so I think like uh, g- genetics uh, that you provided might overcome geography anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how well I do in the quick twitch department either. <laughs> it seems I like don't, I, but do you twitch at all? Um, you, I don't know. you might have only, no twitch. Only out of anxiety. <laughs> um, I don't know. Are you do? Are you are you attempting to employ any of these uh, or to utilize any of these concepts in the? rearing of your own child no i i'm of the opinion that i want my child to be able to choose the path that he wants to go down and so you know like he knows what baseball is he has watched me watch it but i don't force him to watch it with me and he's not really shown proclivity towards it we don't even own a like little plastic baseball bat uh if he gets older and like decides oh this baseball thing like now that i'm you know grown and can participate and do this myself maybe i will want to show interest, but I'm happy to teach him and happy to encourage it. But if he says, as you know, I want to become an impressionist painter, that's mm-hmm. fine too. He'd be like 120 years late for impressionist painting, but... Well, you know, there's a... Maybe thing, neo-impressionism. Things I mean, make comebacks, right? So what is the latest... You said like if he picks up at a later date, like what's the latest a kid... I mean, I assume in some examples, I feel like Tim Anderson, for example, White Sox yeah. shortstop. Right. Didn't he st- like not start playing till like his junior year of high school? <clears> yeah, there's a few of these examples of just like the crazy athletes who played other sports, and then it was like, oh, yeah, maybe you should try this baseball thing. Lorenzo Cain, is he another one? Maybe. Uh, Michael Brantley, I think, also an example. Maybe. Wait, really? Michael Brantley didn't his dad play baseball? Yeah, I still feel like I mean, so, so Tony Bongino's talked about this because he was with the Brewers when they drafted him, mm-hmm. and I feel like there was something with Brantley's background where he didn't play much. 
Oh, that's possible. Well, and other examples too. Uh, Will Venable, um, who I don't know. On the one hand, he didn't have a, a like a long illustrious career, but he he did make the major leagues. He had um, he had played both basketball and baseball at Princeton, I think. Right. And uh, I mean, of course, his dad was uh, was a ball player and was a coach, I think, for the Padres at the same time. Uh, that that Venable was a player for that team. Uh, but yeah, Venable, Vin, you know, Venable recorded uh, 14 wins in his major, league, major league career, and yeah. he actually he actually was uh, he was around last year a little bit too. I'm pretty but 14 sure wins is pretty good. That's more than Eric Hosmer has, and Eric, and Eric Hosmer, uh, according to John Heyman, wants 200 million dollars this winter. Is that really more than Eric Hosmer has? Yeah, I think Eric Hosmer is at like 10 or 11. Eric Hosmer is the most overrated. Oh, would player. you actually like to know the the number we have at the site? Six, six point six. Okay, yeah, I knew it, I knew it was under ten or around ten or mm-hmm. not above ten at least. Yeah. So and actually, Venable didn't. Uh, Venable actually did not even debut till his age twenty five season. We and should uh, when Boris sends out his misinformation packet about Eric Hosmer this winter, we should just send out our own little leaflet that has yeah. Eric Hosmer and Will Venable's career numbers next to it, and say Eric Hosmer not as good as Will Venable. And just well, but us. I would only so we're not going to be able to get Will Venable money. But I would only want to, I would only want to argue against one player's case if if we were redistrib if we were redistributing his money to a more deserving, uh, less. Celebrated player. Yeah, that's fine. We could yeah. we could certainly find undervalued free agents. Can we say. give some of his money to Jose Ramirez? Yeah, <laughs> no, poor, <laughs> poor Jose Ramirez. I mean, he's not poor. He got thirty million dollars, but whatever. No. Uh, but yeah, he ill-timed his extension. Yes, he did. Right. He's yeah. he's actually recording a better season this year than he did last year. He's, I mean, I mean at this point, you could argue that like besides Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez might be the most valuable player in the American League. Maybe Chris Sale too. But besides Judge and Sale. Jose Ramirez is that really, is it really that con- is that the conversation? I mean, what Jose Ramirez is what, like three and a half wins on a yeah. you know on a team that's like in the race hasn't had a lot of other like all the other good players on the team like Lindor struggled lately and Carnacion hasn't been very good. Kluber was hurt. Like Brantley has you know missed some time. Like basically every other good player on that team has been um, either up or down or inconsistent. Or uh, yeah, Jose Ramirez is carrying the Indians to the postseason. Yeah, it looks like it's it looks like it's Aaron Judge. And then another tier that's that's Jose Ramirez and like three Astros, right? Yeah, um, I mean, right. Jose Altuve has been awesome. Correa, is, oh, it's not like Ramirez is like clearly the right. next but guy. He's part but he's, of, he's, he's in the mix, right? Like Jose yeah. Ramirez, if the season ended today, should be a top six MVP candidate in the American League or something. That's cool. Yeah, he uh, and then he got what five twenty seven with some yeah. options or something. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Done this. Uh, Foundering road of inquiry again. Um, we we've talked about uh, de- uh, we talked about geography. We've talked about you know, the physique. What would be? I guess what would be the ideal physique? If you're just like here, just like this body is going to give you the best chance of playing in the majors someday. Uh, maybe like six two, one eighty, mostly muscle, probably because at that point you're not too big to play the infield. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, there are six foot two athletic shortstops. Uh, but you also potentially have enough uh, room on your frame to add weight and become a you know a slugging corner outfielder if you want to go that way. Right. Okay. All right. So we're looking for six two, muscular. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. And then what about uh, what about uh, it, like uh, essentially like emotional conditioning? Do I have to wi- do I have to withdraw love from my child? 
Uh, I don't think we have any data on uh, like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number of times father said I love you. Like we don't. Yeah. I don't think we have like relationship plus or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel uh, um, unqualified to answer your question. I think the only thing we know about certain baseball parents are the baseball parents who a bit overbearing and kind of misbehave, right? Right, yeah. I mean, like, there's always the stories of, like, Colby Rasmus's dad or whatever. But, right. like, you know, we don't we don't actually know what impact that would have had. Like, if Colby Rasmus had, like, a sane father, maybe he makes the major leagues anyway. Right. Maybe he's even better. Maybe Colby Rasmus turns out to not be, you know, a mediocre player. Right. I, uh, I also remember thinking of uh, Barry Zito talking about his parents. Um, and this probably wouldn't surprise. Of course, he was a different sort of pitcher. He wasn't. He wasn't necessarily in the major leagues because of because he was a physical specimen. He was a lefty with a good curveball, and he had a good fastball for a few years. I think does that sound fair? Uh, a serviceable fastball. Yeah, he had an okay fastball. Yeah, and I think he. I don't. I think like his parents. It seemed, and I, I might be exaggerating, but it seemed like his parents like barely even knew he was playing baseball. Yeah, and then he was. Just, they were like folk folk singers or something like right. this. <laughs> yeah, um, and which uh, now Barry Zito also a folk singer. Yeah, but he did. He, had a, he was in baseball for a while. Uh, okay, I don't know. That, that was uh, I don't twenty-four know minutes of something. Yeah, I guess I should. What about? Uh, I should. I should uh, have him make friends with someone who owns a batting cage. Perhaps. Seems like that was an advantage for Joey Gallo. Yeah, I don't. Are, you, are there batting cages in Maine? Sure. Somewhere. Okay. All right, I might have to relent and, and um, introduce the idea of the All Star Game. I suppose uh, I don't know. Or do snubs interest you? Is it how? What's, what's your interest? <laughs> what, what interests you? Because I yeah, mean, I, like I forced you to talk about this. What is your interest level on a zero to one hundred scale about talking about the All Star rosters? What's my uh, uh, pretty low? Okay. Uh, Quantify it. Mm, let's see. I mean, it's less than in regular season game. Does that make any sense? Well, you're right. You're already not interested in regular season baseball. Right, but I, there are some games to which I'll tune. Like the whole idea, the fact something that is that is generated to be a spectacle, automatically <coughs> turns me off. So, would you watch the All Star Game if Denelson Lamette was starting? I would. I would be more likely to watch it. Yes, I would <laughs> so, watch it. Or Luis Castillo and Cincinnati Reds. Right. So, if Max Scherzer is facing Chris Sale, you're like, this does not appeal to me. But if it's uh, Denelson Lamette and Luis Castillo, you're in. Yeah, I don't know. Just it makes it very clear to me that it's an exhibition when those other things are going on. And I guess so, I don't. So how yeah. many? Uh, I mean, so I mean, you're gonna watch the futures game, I assume. Yeah, I might do that if I have the channel. Do I have the channel? ESPN. Yeah, I think maybe I could find ESPN somewhere. Yeah. So are you excited about the futures game? Sure. Okay. Would you, would you rather talk about that? No. <laughs> no, I have to, I don't have any preference to that. You know what I would like? Let's see. Let's talk about an ideal all-star format, okay? okay. Because what? Because it's inevitable to have so do players like it? Is there a general sense if you were to survey like if you were to survey players, do you think that they would generally say they like the all-star game? Yes. Okay. And what is their reason? Just because it's an honor to participate? Because yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, recogn- it's recognition of, like, you did really well, right? Like, mm-hmm. if we had, like, a Fangraphs Awards dinner and you were, like, given best podcast host or something. You would... I, I don't even think I would win that. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you would be like, oh, cool. I, I received some recognition for my work. Uh, so I think it's not that necessarily people love the game, but they really like the honor and um, the, the recognition that they are doing a good job. 
Now here's the here's the question. So uh, Clayton Kershaw, I think, is pitching Sunday, right? Yeah. So or he won't he pitch in the All Star game. Yeah. Right. So he won't pitch in the All Star game. Is is there some sense that that might be purposeful so he doesn't have to participate in the All Star game? Yeah, and also because he probably wants Alex Wood to make the team, who was not named to the roster but should have been. So Clayton Kershaw can basically be like, "Well, I've done this before. I'm going to throw on Sunday. I can still go, and then Alex Wood can take my spot." Okay. So here's here's the point. Like, uh, there, there's a lot of my spiritual training, uh, which suggests that. Um, e- external uh, externals of any sort ought to are sort of irrelevant, right? If someone says, n- again, no one does this, but if someone said, yes, Carson Sestouli is the best podcaster, all of my training suggests that 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 should be of a little little concern to me because it doesn't ultimately uh, affect how I proceed through the world, right? And. And so I like the idea. I like the idea of those players who actually, who choose not to attend the All Star game, almost because it's like it gets in the way of their sort of daily, their daily approach, right? And well, it, no, I mean, sure. their daily approach is to play baseball. <laughs> Taking four days off would get in the, in the way of their daily approach. Well, there's that, yes, but also daily. I guess the their their objective, which is to win baseball games, make the playoffs, and win the World Series, right? Sure. That's the, you that's could, yeah, of, you can argue the All Star Game is counterproductive to regular season performance. Four right. days off might help you more in the second half. And they all, and and whether you go or not, I suppose you would regard it as you might regard it as an unwelcome interruption if you're a certain type of player. Although uh, some uh, some other types might might benefit. From I that. think most people like the break. Like baseball's a grind, right? Like they play, get like yeah. two or three days off for six months. Like yeah. for them to get a break in the middle of the season, go see their families. Like I'm, I think they like it. I I know the front office people like it. All right, you're right. I should I uh, I should I should uh, I concede that. I concede that. I wasn't you, strenuously making my own point. But. Would you like us to uh, not give you any service, like any uh, vacation time, so that you can just keep it your daily routine? That's a good point. Um. If you if you sign me to a contract, <laughs> we'll give you the Jose Ramirez contract of podcasters. <laughs> of podcasters, yeah. I have to get a second job. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, why? What's what's the most fascinating thing for you about the All Star Game? Uh, so I'll say, like the game itself is not um, something that I really look forward to anymore. As a kid, I was actually really excited. Like, uh, and I think that's one of the things that I try to keep in mind is like the All Star Game doesn't have to be for me to have usefulness because sure. I do remember when I was ten or twelve and I was like a huge baseball fan. Like, um, you know, I wanted to see Jeffrey Leonard get it at bat because he was a Mariner, and I wanted to see a Mariner play on the big stage because that was my team. And, like, uh, you know, no one cared that Jeffrey Leonard was pinch hitting in the seventh inning of a game in, like, 89 or whenever it was that Jeffrey Leonard was the Mariners All-Star. But I cared. And, uh, you know, I think um, uh, I think that's probably what still appeals to me about the game itself is knowing that other people, especially children who are really into baseball, are deriving long-term childhood memories that will stick with them forever. Yeah. Do you have a, I guess besides Jeffrey Leonard appearing, do you have a formative memory of the All-Star game? I mean, the Randy Johnson, John Crockett bat, probably. Like, oh, I mean, it's one of the yeah. most famous All-Star moments in history, but like watching that live, that was amazing. Especially as like a, you know, I, I liked Randy Johnson a lot. And so like to have John Crock like put on this whole theatrical thing with his helmet backwards in the back corner of the batter's box is amazing. It was one of the most entertaining parts of baseball I'd ever seen. Right. And allow me to submit, uh, Another one, which is the which is Pedro Martinez, uh, starting the All Star game at Fenway Park yeah. when he struck out five of the first six batters he faced. Yeah, 
um, and then uh, was almost immediately injured in the second half. <laughs> well, Cal Ripken homering in his final All-Star game. I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of like Orioles fans who that was a huge deal for. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess it is what it's like. A, it's like an opportunity. It well, it creates weird tiers of tribalism, right? Because on the one hand, you're like, oh, now I'm cheering for the American League, you know. So if you, you know, say if you're a, a Red Sox fan, like all of a sudden, like you, you're sort of forced into a situation where you're cheering for Yankees players, right? Because the, because they're not they're on the same team now, and then there's these, and it's the national the bad the bad National Leaguers are the ones you're facing, right? Um, but then there's also this sense where it's you your your the player you know. Uh, with whom you s- sort of spend the most time, or who occupies the sort of largest space, and you're the, you know the player on on the team for which you cheer. Now you you're sort of like there's like an opportunity to show them off to all the to all the people who cheer for other teams, right? Because you I feel some I, I sense of right. ownership of like this is mine, and now you get to see what I have, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I could also see it. Uh, I could see the another point you're making because I can already anticipate uh, with having a child, provided he. Is healthy, etc. Uh, I could see enjoying uh, baseball in a way that I have not recently enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I've been uh, my my kid and I aren't sitting around watching baseball and him enjoying it. But I think mm-hmm. like the things that he enjoys doing, I derive mm-hmm. pleasure in a way that like you know. So like my kid is out of town this week, so I haven't seen him since Friday, and I won't see him again until next Monday, basically, so I'm going to go, like, ten days without seeing my kid. And, like, there's part of me that's like, I kind of want to go to a park. Now, I can't, because I would get arrested for being, like, a creepy guy on crutches without a kid at a park, but, Uh uh, you know, I, like, enjoy um, activities that two-year-olds enjoy now, and I miss doing them, even though I don't have anyone to do them with at the moment. Wait, is Amy gone, too? Oh, yeah. No, we just just sent sent Drew by himself. (laughs) You're just walking, you're just walking around? You just, you just... Yeah, there's a reason I had to, like, stumble out of the room with the crutch. Yeah, I'm I'm home alone for 10 days. Oh, wow. I'm uh, fending for myself. Not an excellently timed trip, I guess, but... Well, it was actually intentional because because I can't be very helpful as a parent right now. And so for her to be around other people who can assist with the uh, child child, um, watching is beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, like, not a lot to do. Uh, when I don't have a wife and kid around, except work on the trade value series, which goes up next week and is a tremendous amount of work. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Why didn't you pick the one player? <laughs> That's right. Uh, How about Rymel Tapia? Do you think he would be an infielder? He throws left-handed. Maybe, yeah, potentially. You, you, you think Trey Turner would call. be an infielder? Uh, Trey Turner is an infielder. Yeah, he is an infielder. That's a good yeah. point. Hey, do you know who's really fast that I did not know was really fast? Is Ian Happ. Yeah, he is fast. He has got uh he has he's among the leaders in the sprint speed leaderboard. Yeah. But I tell you when you look at his body, he does not look he, like a speedster. He does not look like a speedster. Yeah. No, he's pretty thick. Yeah. It's a, it's me is it kind of that like Brett Laurie style physique? Yeah, muscular. I mean, Laurie was probably just a little shorter than half, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's real Oh boy. Don't worry, right. crutches, crutches just attacking the ground. Okay, well, I can't guarantee you that anything good happened here, but uh, I can't say that it's over. Okay, good. That, <laughs> is, that, that is one good thing. That is one good thing for everybody. All right, Dave Cameron, thank you, for, thank you for participating in this thing that I forced you to participate in. You're welcome. All right, that has been Dave Cameron. He's the managing editor of Fangraphs.com. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.